Yes, y'all. Well, my name is Kel. My name is Anna. And you're tuning to Cognac, Cupcakes, and Conversations. CC is a podcast with a twist. Cognac, Cupcakes, and Stimulating Conversations. Because it's not just about us anymore. And we're striving... Ooh, drink out of my throat. We're striving to promote awareness of issues affecting our communities. In short, it's a vibe. (laughs) Yes, vibes. Yes, big vibes. All positive and optimistic vibes. Exactly. So as you guys know, sometimes we need a little bit of optimism. We have seen so much grief, sickness, murder porn, injustice, and brutality that we've become numb. And we don't want you guys to lose hope. So we have a long journey ahead of us, and we can't afford to be weary and weak. Like the song said, as long as you keep your head to the sky, we will win. Today, we're going to take a mental break and catch up on all of the insecurity that we have been waiting to discuss from the last two episodes. We'll also dive into our weekly balance of ratchet and righteousness, and we'll also give tips on ways to be optimistic and what we can do in the here and now. So let's get things kicked off and started, right? I see you got a drink in your hand, Banana. What you drinking on? Yes, boo. I am here sipping on. (laughs) So I was inspired by our video that I've been editing um, for our drink tutorial, which is pretty much done, by the way, on an administrative note. But (laughs) um, yes, so uh, there's a part in there when you said just a little splash, just a splash, instead of splash. So uh, if y'all see on our IG um, stories or whatever, you'll see that I had just enough of a splat for today's episode, (laughs) which I added. um, So Martell, which um, I added to some of our favorite wine for me and Kel, Arbor Mist. Yes, we drank the Arbor Mist. Yes, man. Arbor Mist Blackberry Merlot. I had to put. I feel like that's the auntie drink. Like, that is, like, the nation's auntie's drink, but I'm okay with it. Yes, okay, I had to put the little um, Maryland, Maryland accent on it. Shout out to, I also want to shout out at the top of the episode, somebody that's been um, commenting on a lot of our stuff and showing us love on um, Instagram, uh, at DJ T-Blends. Um, they've been uh, commenting. They asked, do you have a standard cognac that you consume during your conversations or does your selection vary? And so um, I responded to them. But just for those of you who may be wondering, I figured I'd share. Um, we tend to drink, um, you know, at the moment, our favorite is Martel. But Kel, correct me if I'm wrong, if that's not your favorite right now. And- I like Martel and Duzel. I like them equally. 
Yes. Okay. So um, at the moment, I said that we're drinking a lot of Mar that Martell is our fave, um, but we also love Duce and Claude Chatelier, which is yes. that uh, little cheap looking one that we got from <laughs> from uh, Total Wine. That's a good one, y'all. I'm sure it's not, you know, it's not cheap as I'm describing it or whatever, but like y'all don't sleep on them little Costco brands and stuff, you know, like they be just as good too. They really do, yo. That's what we do on budget. Mm-hmm. Balling on a budget. <laughs> I'm going to go get some tomorrow. Okay. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into this motivational moment for the week. This week's motivational moment is definitely inspired by being optimistic and looking forward to the future, even though I know everything seems so, like, grim. So this one is brought to you by John Guar. And it is, it's amazing how a little tomorrow can make up a whole lot of yesterday. So if you just think about like all the things that you can do for the next day for the future you're building up. And when you look back on it, you are making mountains move. So don't, don't, um, what's the word? Uh, don't limit the things that you're doing tomorrow to something that's so minimal that will be pivotal for the next day is the best way for me to say it. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love that um, motivational moment that you posted this week. Definitely. And I feel like it's also thematic for what has happened over the past week and change. Like, we, you know, it's not making up for everything of yesterday, but a whole lot of yesterday. It's feeling a lot better, um, you know, and we're feeling a lot more hopeful more than ever. Right. It's balance. Ratchetness and righteousness is the yin and the yang of life. You got to be equally yoked with both. Yeah. In the meantime, you ready to uh, drop that tea, sis? We ready? Yes, ma'am. Righteousness. Show lamb. Okay, y'all. So uh, this week, we have been inundated with so much news. <laughs> and I am just like, you know, I had a busy day today, full disclosure. So. I am going to do my best with sharing the top, top news of the week. And I know I'm going to weave some of it, some of it into, um, you know, our optimistic conversation later in the pod. Um, but to start off with some tea, first of all, Kel, do you know who Jazz Fly is? I just was looking at, um, looking at that. She knows somebody that we both knew. And I, I saw that she passed away and it's really, really sad. And I know that she did some work with um, This Is Us, but I don't know her to like, I don't know all the span of her work. So go ahead and hit me. Okay, well, um, I, I'm, I actually um, am probably gonna miss a few things, but she was definitely an awesome journalist. That's how I get became hip to her. In fact, I think I became hip to her from a show on VH1 that came out, don't remember the name, um, that had Angela Yee, Kim Ozario. Um, yes, she was on that show. Um, oh, Jack okay, yeah, I yeah. remember that. Okay, that's probably yeah. why. Yeah, and that's how that. I became hip to her, but I remember like Charlemagne and the likes of like um, Joe Budden, and now I'm hearing the likes of even Drake. Um, we're very fond of her and have relationships with her. Um, you know, friendships with her. And um, she definitely was very talented, a heavyweight in the game. As a Black female, she had really, she really was supportive of the community in general. 
And so, um, you know, it just seemed like a beam of light and she always spoke her truth. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I've been waiting to see what Joe Budden and Charlemagne, especially in particular, are going to say. But I know a lot of people are probably trying at the moment to confirm that it was true. I do not know what happened. I did go on her Twitter account and see that the last time she tweeted was May 8th. And it looked like she was a little more of a frequent tweeter than that beforehand. Um, she cracked a lot of like dry humor jokes, which were really funny about like being in quarantine day 47 and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I don't know what happened, not trying to put any rumors out there, but just prayers up for her and her for um, her family. I pray she's gone on to glory because um, she just seemed like she was a dope person. And a lot of people in the music industry and the black journalism industry are really like, you know, feeling this one. So salute to her and, and the black Hollywood industry as well. Um, I even saw Reagan Gomez tweeting about her, like, oh my God, not jazz. So, um, you know, definitely get hit to her. Um, moving on from there, a lot of people were able to attend um, the Houston funeral for George Floyd. Um, I believe this was yesterday. And it was really, really um, beautiful. So apparently he had roots in Houston as well. I'm not, you, you know, that's where I heard a lot of his stories because he, mm, he worked with, um, I forget the guy's name, but he's one of the heavyweights in screw music and chopped and screw music, DJ something, damn. But he really, uh, he worked with that guy a lot. And I cannot remember his name. I wish I could, but um, it was back from the Mike Jones days. Uh, I cannot remember the guy's name, dark skin short. But anyway, he did a lot of music with him. And um, so I knew he had roots in Houston. And so, um, you know, they were able to do a homecoming service for him. And um, I actually wanted to read an excerpt instead of like all the different excerpts that everybody had. Um, I wanted to read an excerpt from someone that I know that lives in Houston that's a journalist. Shout out to our girl, Brittany Brito. She actually did a story that ended up on the front cover of the Houston Chronicle. Um, and she was- Okay, so that's for you? Yes, girl, yes. And she was able to be there and give her firsthand account of the funeral. She said, when George Floyd came home to Houston for the last time, people from all over came to see him and paid their respects. We, the Houston Chronicle, talked so, to so many people, some who traveled from LA and Tulsa, Oklahoma, sat outside of his funeral services because if it was them in that golden casket, they, they'd hope people would show up to let it be known that their life meant something too. What struck me most was how many people knew Floyd or knew someone who knew Floyd. Houston is a big city, but today it felt pretty small and tight-knit. I was also struck by how many people have dealt with issues with the police being stopped and interrogated for no reason other than the color of their skin. How many mothers worry that their sons every time they leave the house, worry about their sons every time they leave the house. It wasn't surprising to hear, but it was sad. 
while people were mourning, they were also wrestling with how they and their loved ones have been treated for years. In that way, Floyd's death is certainly a symbol. And so a question that keeps circling my mind is, yes, this feels different. But is this different? Will those of us protesting about Floyd and the riots and racism and reading and educating ourselves stop in months or even a year's time? Eric Gardner's mother, Gwen Carr, said, in days, the cameras will be gone. But she kept working and fighting and speaking out, even when the lights were off. Will we? Woo. I Girl. thought that was like so heavy. The, I mean, and I, I think it was a very good point. And I think it's something that's in the back of all of our heads. Um, Before you said. move on, I, I do want to mm -hmm. add something to that. And it's, it's interesting that you say that because um, I haven't had the opportunity to go out and protest yet. But um, after listening to my favorite podcast, Demetria Lucas, um, break down like, you know, her experience with uh, protesting and you know the interactions that she had with her parents when she told them about protesting i just feel like i have to it's a bigger reason like we are like i think she said it the best way i could possibly say like if you are able-bodied why aren't you out there you know yeah i i agree and in fact um you know that meeting that i just had that i told you about earlier they asked me if I, if I was able to go protest. And I said, no, you know, COVID, like, you know, I don't, you know, we're still wondering if my mom had it. And, you know, we just seen how many people have dealt with it. And um, the person was telling me that they were like, at, one po at what point will my desire to go out there, you know, my, my fervent desire, I would say, like, you know, he strongly wants to go out there to protest um, supersede my fear of um, catching corona. Um, you know, they're saying that people, the, not people, the Coast Guard folks that were working, I can't remember where it was in New York or wherever, I guess I'll look here. But, um, you know, those people, all those um, workers or whatever, all those soldiers caught the coronavirus. Not all of them, excuse me. Uh, most of them. Oh, in the, oh, it was here in D.C. Oh. <laughs> in D.C., the D.C. National Guard called to respond to D.C. protests. Uh, um, a lot of them tested positive for COVID-19. So okay. it's, they didn't say how many. They didn't say how many. But it's still alive and well. And yeah, that is the, the question that you had to ask yourself for him. He felt like he has so many people that depend on him that he couldn't do, he's not there yet. Um, I said I wasn't there yet, but it is something that I personally am wrestling with. And I know we're going to get into this later, but you know, there are other things that people can do that if you don't want to protest, you can support the protesters. You could even hand out, you know, if you want to be there on the scene, you could be one of the people that pass out drinks um, and, and snacks and stuff for people. Um, you can, of course, fund those people that are getting put in jail and need to be bailed out. We talked about this in the last episode. Um, just different things, spreading awareness, spreading information. But yeah, I'm not gonna lie, when I went out there this past week, 
um, it's definitely a different type of energy, just being in it. Um, and I can say, I'm sure our homegirl, Brittany, can say the same, who actually marched um, during the protests in PG County near um, uh, the National Harbor. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a delicate line to walk, but I, I definitely don't fault anybody who wants to go out and protest and who doesn't want to go out and protest, but still wants to obviously support. I don't fault any of y'all. Um, and I'm, I do, I do know that I really feel like unless there's a huge uptick in, um, the coronavirus, I definitely, um, plan to do the March on Washington. Definitely plan to do that. That'll be in August sometime. I can't remember the date, but I feel you in a nutshell. Okay, moving on. Um, so <laughs> apparently, um, there's a lot of change happening. Uh, one of those things is that bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna, what you gonna do, do when they come for you? <laughs> yes. Um, so cops is being canceled by the Paramount Network. Um, and I found it interesting but because it's like, I feel like the cop show has, you know, I have been watching, I'm not an avid watcher of cops. You know, so let's take what I say with a grain of salt. But I'm like, has cops really shown them doing like fuck shit? I guess to no, not that I've seen. They usually show someone that's cracked out and that needs to be arrested, and then they like kind of humanize the cops, and (laughs) the cops like are usually like, well, you know, sir, do you need to go and pee and let the person go and pee in the corner? And then it's like a joke, almost like taking them to jail and stuff like that and showing some of the craziness. Um, for me, I was like, okay, that's cool and all, but I feel like this is also something that was on its way. Who watched cops anymore? Not too many people, unless you a Judge Judy watcher, you might, you know, delve into some cops, you know, but like, I, I think that was on its way. And, you know, there's a lot of, I'm gonna get into this later, but there's a lot of things that I'm seeing happening, but it's also like, is this um sincere or not like i i just want to know is this sincere um with the latter you're gonna go with the latter (laughs) speaking of sincere um (laughs) so i know you probably heard about terry cruz uh (laughs) yes girl yes so terry cruz apparently was under fire this week because he had some choice words for the black community. He tweeted, defeating white supremacy without white people creates black supremacy. Equality is the truth. Like it or not, we're all in this together. Then he went on to say, any black person who calls me a coon or an Uncle Tom for promoting equality is a black supremacist (laughs) because they have determined who's black and who is not. Huh? Show ass down. (laughs) So his own son from (laughs) his own TV son had to son him. Okay. And if y'all know who that is, that's Tyler James Williams, who plays the young Chris Rock on Everybody Hates Chris. He came for his old um, TV dad. I'm not trying to call you out at Terry Crews. You know, it's all love always, heart emoji. 
but we're rightfully angry right now and fed up with anyone not with our cause wholeheartedly. I don't want to see that energy pointed your way or diverted from the cause. Terry Crews responds, I understand, Tyler. I was not saying black supremacy exists because it doesn't. I am saying if both black and whites don't come continue to work together, bad attitudes and resentments can create a dangerous self-righteousness. That's all. <laughs> then um, comedian Godfrey also kind of reached out and, and said similar words to him, like about not disagree, not agreeing, but you know, trying to correct him gently. Um, again, Terry Crews, you know, negated whatever he said. But our girl Amanda Seals didn't hold back. She was like, well, we know why Terry Crews threw Gabrielle Union under the bus. Always beware of coons in the midst. <laughs> coons, are, and then she went further to de de um, define what coon is, you know, because a lot of people, we get some of the um, those caricatures um, mixed up. You know, you got the Jezebel, you got the coon, you got the Sambo. So she went ahead and described, uh, defined it. Coons are Negroes who choose white approval over black advancement. I think that's about about white. That's accurate. And that's very accurate. That's that's the most accurate statement of what he is doing, what he's portraying right now. Like some people just need to have their phones taken away from them at this time. Yeah, because I I just don't understand why he's doing this, why he's sticking his neck out and saying, you know, stuff about white supremacy. I, you know, there's a lot of people that are going back and forth, um, you know, in our personal lives and online, you know, a lot of celebrities are shooting themselves in the foot as well, you know, giving these very neutral blanketed statements. And listen, I'm a neutral girl, okay? I, I'm very neutral. I, I hate being the indecisive person that I, I tend to be. But what I'm very decisive about is, blackness and not black superiority but black survival black um supremacy in the sense of being as excellent as we possibly can that does not mean that we are supremist to the sense of what what we can't be <laughs> There's no way, systemically, we cannot be white, um, black supremacists. It's just not the case. If we overthrew the entire government, which is pretty much what was happening last week, just a week ago, <laughs> um, you know, and even that you could argue wasn't happening because they still had the power to bring in tanks and National Guard and use weapons against people that were peacefully protesting, you know, so I can't even say we were really overthrowing the government, but, you know, even if we did we that- We were making we, noise. We were making noise, you know, and rightfully so, because we needed to be heard. We, we done tried so many different peaceful ways to be heard, and we haven't been heard in those ways. So now, we had to make noise, just like so many other revolts back in the day, you know, Boston Tea Party throwing shit over ships and shit, you know, we, <laughs> we've tried so many different ways. So, you know, I'm preaching to the choir at this point. Uh, but this whole basis of us being black supremacists, 
it's not possible. You know, we've tried so many different ways. We've, we've answered um, police officers politely. We've held our hands up and said, please don't shoot. We've um, showed, tried to say that we're reaching for um, something in the glove compartment. A cell phone suddenly becomes a, a gun, you know? And it's like, after a while, you know, it doesn't matter if you have a degree. It doesn't matter if you know this person's family, um, this white person's family, it just seems to be the skin, seems to be the skin tone that weaponizes us in their heads. Yeah, so, the is definitely the common denominator in every single scenario. And it's insulting and it's disrespectful and it needs the end. And it's no way, there's no but behind there. There's no comma behind this. It is what it is. It's a blanket statement. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, Terry, just go ahead and sit down and eat your, your animal crackers and just let it go. Let it go, boo-boo. I mean, because clearly, you know, meanwhile, they out in um, Birmingham, Alabama, trying to, uh, the Ku Klux Klan, trying to kill all Black people. Apparently, they were um, threatening some folk out there uh which was very scary and there was a woman who gave her first-hand account of what was going on let me go ahead and play it for y'all found out that the Ku Ku Klux Klan is coming to Alabama and they said they want to kill every black person here guys so this is serious I was supposed to get up at five they're closing the store like right now we're getting ready to close I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I'm just trying to hurry up and call my my folks, my son and my kids and let them know what's going on. But they're getting ready to lock down Birmingham, Alabama. So guys, pray for us because we don't know what's going on. It's it's gotten this bad here. So pray for me, guys. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye so um, in the end, oh, let me play the other video real quick. I do want you to know I found out the reason why the KKK is upset. There was a Confederate monument statue that was destroyed during the riots here, and that's why they're mad. But the thing is, they are threatening the lives of the mayor, police officials, first responders, and any black protesters, any blacks, period. And it's just, it has gotten so out of hand. It is not worth it. And we have to be careful now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to work tomorrow. I don't know. I'll just have to see. I will try to keep everyone up to date. All I ask you to do is please, please, please pray for the city of Birmingham. Pray for our mayor, our city officials, our police officers, first responders. So um, I'll show you a picture of the man. They did get him. Um, he was um, put into police custody, um, but he was quoted saying, I'm going to assassinate um, Randall Woodfield and kill that dead nigger. Um, I've got a bomb set right down there that's about to go off. You hear me? You better lay off the statue right now. You better back the fuck off. You hear me? <laughs> and so his name is Brian Stephan West, uh, uh, Vest, excuse me, uh, 49 years old. He looks about crazy. And um, <laughs> yeah. I just can't. Yeah, I'm glad they were able to um, make sure everybody was safe. Yeah, yeah, and um, I'm mad y'all still mad about this little rinky-dink-ass Confederate flag. Meanwhile, the Marine Corps have already um, officially ordered that public displays of the Marine flag be removed from all its bases. However, I was like, what the fuck? 
the Marines, at first I was like, ooh, raw, because my dad is a Marine. But I was just like, wait a minute, why, why, wait, 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 when I reread it again, I was like, yo, why, why they still got that on their bases? And I don't know if it was like individuals. I would hope that it's individuals because anytime I've been on a base, I don't think I've like, I think I would have noticed if I saw an actual Confederate flag, but I'm like, yo, like, I know that the Marines better not have had no daggone Confederate flags on their bases, like down in Alabama or, you know. New Mexico or some shit where it doesn't surprise me though like you know it doesn't surprise me because when I think about um the structure of all of our what do you call this all of our um enforcers I guess you can say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was never really in favor of minorities you know what I mean like they yeah. as, as kind of like pawns to to fight for America and whatever America was viewpoints were at the time. And if you think about like not even just from the military perspective, but even down to like the police structure, I've seen this. Um, I don't know if it was a video or article. I can't remember, but it was talking about like the slave patrol days and um, and the slave patrol days. This is before the police before we had a police they had slave patrols and the slave patrols will go and try to like catch the, the slaves that would try to run away. Um, and they, their um, symbol is the same symbol as the police symbol, the star with the, uh, the word wow. like, down to the T. So I just mm. find very interesting that like all of our, I feel like all of our enforcements when it was like a, um, an actual professor who was speaking on it and he was talking about all of the enforcements go by the same code. And I think it was a correlation. I don't, I don't want to like. No, I think you're incorrect. I mean, no, not incorrect. Excuse me. I think you're correct because um, uh, I've heard that before, not about the sign that I just learned that from you just now, but, uh, or the symbol rather, but that is where police came from. They right. were slave controllers. Right. So I, I'm, it doesn't surprise me that the military would possibly use a Confederate sign right disgusting um all right to lighten the mood um well i do want to share have you heard the story of tamala horsford so tamala horsford is a black woman who was basically at a slumber party an adult slumber party with a bunch of white women and she was found dead the next day apparently she was found in a yes um so A Georgia woman um, was found dead after attending an adult sleepover, and her attorney believes that the homicide homicide is a strong possibility. Um, Horsford, a married woman of five, was found dead in the backyard in um, November of 2018 by one of the other partygoers. In a letter obtained by WSB, TV Atlanta attorney Ralph Fernandez expressed severe misgiving about the way the case was handled. Witness statements are in conflict. A potential subject handled the body as well as the evidence prior to the law enforcement arrival. Evidence was disposed of and no inquiry was followed. The scene was not preserved, which means basically evidence was tampered with. Her body was most likely 
moved around, you know, to make it look a certain way. Um, and, you know, that means that it was tampered. Evidence was inappropriately handled. A remarkable fact is that there were no photographs taken during the autopsy of Tamala's body. Uh, Tamla's body, excuse me, I've been saying Tamala, Tamla's body. Um, such a practice is unheard of. And so she was listed, her death was listed, cause of death was listed as a um, falling off the back of the deck um, of the home where she stayed at, resulting in blunt, blunt force trauma from the fall. Um, she suffered injuries to her neck, head, torso, and had cuts in her face, wrist, hand, and lower legs. The autopsy also lists laceration to the right ventricle of her heart. Um, sounds very fishy. I saw this story actually somewhere else other than just the baller alert. And um, the way that they said that her body was found like the next day, and then hours later, there was a phone call to the police. It just sounds very fishy. This reminds me of um the young man that was killed and rolled up into mm -hmm, i was just know. about to say that i'm like why is this giving me like flashbacks of that young man that they just opened up the case for again which i'm happy that they are because that yes that's part of the changes that we're seeing now like you know like y'all ain't gonna keep fucking around and trying to kill people that we love and care about so fuck you you know and I hope that they continue to, uh, I had to share that story because I'm like, you know what? Yes. I hope they continue to look into that. All right. Um, we're going to wind down on some of these stories. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if you heard about B. Simone saying what she said about work, uh, dating men that are working their nine, uh, working the nine to five. And I really wanted your opinion on this, Kel, because um, she's, coming from an entrepreneur's perspective so i'm gonna first play it for you so you can hear it I've... what why not <laughs> you don't want to have an honest job i mean he could be a, a hustling entrepreneur so you want him to be a you want ceo status yes okay he can't he can't so like, he can't, he can't like clock in and, and clock out no. No. <laughs> damn be some more entrepreneurs Okay, but still, there's there's people who have really good jobs with vocational skills. If if he's a mechanic, I'm, I'm sure. But no, you're not gonna understand my lifestyle. You're not gonna understand why I'm up at three a.m. Damn, you making this you, Okay, all right. You all right. know, he has to be an entrepreneur, a business owner. He he getting one of them yes. stimulus packages from Donald Trump, one of them small business <laughs> loans, and he ain't buying jewelry with it. Oh, we're moving into that direction. <laughs> yeah. All right, I so um. <laughs> A lot of people, so I don't know if I said her name in the beginning, my bad, y'all, B. Simone was the one that said this, and, um, you know, a lot of people were frying her ass up on Twitter. I think it was, uh, I can't remember what other love and hip-hop type personality was talking with her. I don't know if it was Akbar or one of them bitches was talking with her and saying, don't you settle, bitch, you know, I guess hyping her up after what she had said. Um, Tori Langs, who I guess is um, a friend of hers or whatever by this statement, he said, LOL, 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 I guess no one told my dog B. Simone that the world got a lot of people who work a nine to five that get more money than some of our favorite rappers, entertainers. For me, on the other hand, all y'all ladies with nine to fives hit my line. I got time. P.S. 
and that rhyme. Shut up. He is anyway, so corny. I'm done with time. I'm done with time. He is so corny. One, I'm just going to share my point of view real quick. Okay. One, I feel like I don't even want to include niggas who say, and I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be saying niggas. I, I feel kind of conscious of it, even though I love the word. But um, okay, so I, I, let me, no, I'm going to go ahead and say you. So men, <laughs> men, you know, I want to be specific. Men in particular, I don't want to hear nothing about men and what their point of view is on this. Why? Because um, although I thought that was very elitist for um, B. Simone to say and very irresponsible for her to say, I understand where she's coming from as far as being an entrepreneur and how relationships are. A lot of celebrities would say the same about wanting to date another celebrity because they understand the lifestyle. And I think that's what she's getting at because the jealousy is a real thing in relationships and um, jealousy and um, feeling um, left out. I can't think of the word right now, but um, feeling like un unappreciated and not paid enough attention to or whatever. That is a very real thing, especially in the sense of that coming from a man to a woman. When a woman has a lot going on in her life and the man feels left out and feels like he's not getting enough attention, that can manifest in very ugly ways. And some men in particular can get very jealous of it. And so I feel like I understood where she was coming from. Was it responsible to say no? I think that she could still have a man. And I will also say that that same CEO, even though at the end she cleaned it up and said another entrepreneur, that same CEO can be very busy as opposed to um, someone that works for the post office or something like that. They could be a lot more busy than that person. And they may not be able to take off time. I've seen it with CEOs and um presidents and stuff like that and director level people at my old job like they can't just be taking off time like that and just picking up and going when you want them to to go go to some um influencer retreat in Bora Bora with you you know they gotta run their own businesses you know and I could even say that for some entrepreneurs you may not have that time that you're seeking to be with that entrepreneur so you have to take it both ways. If you want somebody to match your ambition and someone to own their own stuff, then yes, I, I, I agree with you. I like that concept. But don't think just because somebody has a nine to five that they can't give you possibly more than that same CEO or big time entrepreneur that you're looking at. You know, all these niggas ain't future. Uh, that's going to show you around the world. Ah, weak. No, um, honestly, I think you you said pretty much everything that I was going to say, too. I understand both ways. I do feel like it was irresponsible of her to say that because um, I think it just depends on the person, honestly, um, your partner. And if you are that entrepreneur that has that type of crazy lifestyle, I think it's just having those conversations up front with that person or whoever your potential mate is for them to like really understand your boundaries. But to say that they won't understand your lifestyle, I feel like you're you're minimizing their mindset. You're minimizing like how they how they think. And you can't speak to that because you're not that person. So um I feel like that part was irresponsible on her part, but I do understand because both you and I are both entrepreneurs and um both you and I have had partners that had 
mm-hmm. nine to fives. And I don't know if they always understood everything that we did, but yes, well, yeah. everything could be kind of like eliminated with the conversation, honestly, and finding out whether that person really understands the grind that you and believes in you enough to know that they will respect your grind and respect your hustle. So. Oh, that's real with the believe in you part, adding that in at the end, because when I think of some of my old relationships, um, I don't know if I could have gotten as far as we have in, or at least in my part of CCC, or even back when we were doing Freaks and Geeks, like, I don't think any of the past relationships that I had, that they would have understood. They would have felt like I was wasting time and right. wasting money. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I forgot I was still doing gossip. <laughs> 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 so lastly, um, you know, Lizzo, okay, I am going to share this story. I wasn't going to at first, but um, uh, Lizzo apparently had some words for some folks that um, didn't know that she's been working out and getting her fitness on. I've been working out consistently for the last five years, and it may come as a surprise to some of y'all that I'm not working out to have your ideal body type. I'm working out to have my ideal body type. And you know what type that is? None of your fucking business, because I am beautiful, I am strong, I do my job, and I stay on my job. So next time you want to come to somebody and judge them, whether they drink kale smoothies or eat McDonald's or work out or not work out, how about you look at your own fucking self and worry about your own goddamn body? Because health is not just determined on what you look like on the outside. Health is also what happens on the inside. And a lot of y'all need to do a fucking cleanse for your insides. Namaste. Have a great day. <laughs> No, man, that's real. Um, I can even say, for, speak for myself. Like, I know that I needed a cleanse for the inside. So, um, yeah, I think that the best thing is to do is to keep your um, comments to yourself and, you know, respect everybody's hustle. They do, everybody's not like you. They do what they want to do, how they do it, what's best for them. And you need to do what's best for you. All right, Kel. So let's go ahead and move into our talk topics. What did you want to start with first? How about we start with, you know, on a positive note, we've been just hearing everything about um, Lizzo and her positivity message for all those people that was out body shaming her. Let's talk about how to be optimistic with your life and get your life. So here are 11 tips on ways to become an optimist. The first one is to create some positive mantras. You know, a lot of us believe that our happiness or lack thereof is based on external things, and we're often the ones holding ourselves back. So if we create some positive mantras, I think that will definitely help. Like, I remember um, I take some of the um, ideas from Being Mary Jane when I use those little sticky notes, and I try to put little positive mantras around the house. Like, you're beautiful. I'll stick that on the um, mirror or on my workstation, you know, you got this, you know, little things that are just kind of like uplift you. Um, the second one, focus on your success. It is so easy for us to kind of like go in and look at all the negative things. But if you actually take the time to look at all the positive things, you will see how dope you really are. So focus on those success moments. 
Most of us are happy to acknowledge other people's success and accomplishments, but when it comes to our own, we frequently play them down or ignore them entirely. So we just gotta do better with that and start focusing on our success. The next one will be to get a role model. Um, I love the idea of mentorship and I love to create different mentorships with the different jobs that I work at. I think that's a part of my purpose, a part of my passion. And I know that I've always struggled to find like that person that would fit the lifestyle that I imagined it to be. So when I say this, this is something that I'm still working on. So <laughs> try to find a positive role model that you can kind of like guide you on the way that you want to be like a good, no, actually, I'm going to ask you, Anna, who is a good role model that you kind of like live up to or you aspire to be? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you know, it's sad. I should have one off the top of my head. But um, I mean, OK, so like you said, I, I was going to actually comment on how you said what their life is, isn't exactly what you would want for your life or whatever or what mm -hmm. you would expect for this person to have, you know, um, to be everything that you want. You don't want everything that they have, you know? Right. Um, and I think that's uh, playing into the factor that nobody is perfect. And right. once you realize that, that helps you, one, and two, uh, that helps you kind of have more of a reality check and just kind of a gauge. Um, and then as well, um, it helps you to kind of not judge maybe some of those other people that you don't look up to as much. So, damn. I mean, I know some people that I used to look up to a lot were like Angela Yee, mm -hmm. um, you know, someone that I still like really like to listen to and hear their point of view is like Demetria Lucas. Right. Um, and, and although they may not have lifestyles that I want, or like certain aspects of their lives I'm, I'm not trying to have in my life. Um, there's a lot about them that I really love. Um, trying to think on a more personal level, someone that um, I look up to as a mentor, but uh, do you have anyone off the top of your head while I'm- Not here? as a mentor. Um, okay, well, yes. I have, um, I have a mentor and also your mentor doesn't always have to be someone that does everything right like you said i also have a mentor that made a lot of mistakes and i use them as a mentor so that when they're sharing their stories with me it will be something that i can learn from and not to go that route yes that yes. that person for me would be um i would say my my homegirl tasha she's been through a lot um some good some bad some ugly some cool you know but all of her experiences she kind she shares with me and i can kind of like figure out which route to go so i would say if anything out for people that i know personally that's someone that i kind of put in a mentor type of status okay yeah. yeah so moving on focus on the positives it is important to remember that it's that it, that it's events themselves that make us unhappy it is our interpretation and reaction to them and while you can't always change the events you can always change your response. So if you go into it with a positive like attitude about it, you can see things a, a whole lot differently. So just focus on the positive parts of it. Don't- Yes, I, f I feel the oh, same yeah. way. Like, I feel like, um, uh, you know, 
we it kind of goes back to the, your third bullet point or your second bullet point of focusing on the um the success rather than the failures and yeah. in, in this sense focusing on the positives rather than the um you know that that even like kind of brings it out to a broader scale like i know someone in my life who does that a lot and you know i feel like i kind of get a little bit of that from them um myself <laughs> so uh because they influence me a lot for obvious reasons and um yeah uh like he may say that he's a a realist some may see him as a pessimist bless his heart um but uh i see when he does it and it kind of makes me think all right uh, some of it is a mirror of myself so i'll be like oh man you know maybe it's kind of a reflection sometimes you see yourself in other people I, I know i'm not the only one who may see something like i always say like i feel like god teaches me lessons um through other people um whether it's a, a wisdom lesson or a knowledge lesson or whatever um and i think knowledge is like oh now i know how that is and then wisdom is when you've actually experienced it and went through it and it's like mm, now i've learned what this is <laughs> so um i think that um focusing on the positives it's not like you know a lot of people try to make it seem like like that person i'm talking about may feel like you know oh you just have your head in the sky kind of thing right um, and i now i i don't feel that way anymore because lord especially with covid and stuff you really had to do that you really i mean and covid is still here but right. you really had to do that to get through this because damn like if you just went through like how we mostly do throughout life of like oh you know shit is gonna go wrong and or oh let me brace myself for if something goes wrong like we really had to be positive like just going to the fucking grocery store my nigga like you had to just hope and pray and just be like all right i'm about to get this you know i really wanted these strawberries you know i really i really want this this that and the third i'm gonna cook this food blah blah, blah. just trying to get yourself through that shit and, mm -hmm. and stay positive yep couldn't say it better myself the next one is don't try to predict the future when things don't go right in life optimists tend to view each incident as an isolated event while pessimists like you just mentioned before, often look out for patterns of bad luck and think if it happened once, it'll happen again. So you always gotta, it goes, it ties all back into being positive and always looking for the best in the situations. So when you try to predict the ifs, the ands, and you have to remember that it's the future. It hasn't occurred yet. So you can't word a negative mindset. There is a scripture on that, and I can't remember at this moment, but it's about worrying and what wor how worrying does nothing for you because at it hasn't all. occurred yet. Yes. Mm. Maybe that should be a second word. Maybe if we could find that scripture, we could do that as a last call. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Surround yourself with positivity. Spending time with negative people who continually see the bad in every situation is a surefire way to ensure you to continue to feel negative too. You gotta be mindful of the people that are around you. Their energy can mix with your energy and you just don't need negative energy being around you. And I could definitely speak to that because I've had different groups of friends and I've had to separate myself from some of those groups of friends because 
they would complain a lot. And then I would find myself complaining a lot. Or they would always think that someone was out to get them. And then it wasn't, you know, like, so you just got to be mindful of the company that you keep. And always keep people who are, um, who are positive, the people who are, like, moving things and moving forward and has that, like, that type of good energy type of mind frame around you. All right. Keep a gratitude diary. I really like this because one of my good friends um, gave me a gratitude diary. And in the diary, I wish I had it on hand. Um, it would be like something, it would have a nice little quote on it. And then it would be like three things that you're grateful for. And it would go into detail about like what happened to get you to that point. What are you looking forward to? It, it was just, it was a mindfulness. And I feel like that is something that's very necessary. And then to piggyback on that part, also another friend, which we always talk about her, shout out to B, um, who is our like health coach slash trainer slash, I don't even know <laughs> what else to label her. As. Wellness. Right. <laughs> Complete wellness. She has given us a lot of beautiful challenges that we always love to share on the show. And one of our um, challenges that we did in the past was a gratitude one where we would write the things that we were grateful for. And it, I can really tell how like it really lightened my day. So sometimes I would do it at night before I went to bed so that I can go to bed with that peaceful zen. Or sometimes I would do it in the morning just so that I could start my day off being, you know, grateful for even having the opportunity to wake up. So um, when something negative happens, it never fails to escape our attention. The alarm clock doesn't go off or your car doesn't start, leaving you in a foul mood for the rest of the day. How often do you stop and notice all those times your alarm clock did go off or your car did start? And then you'll start to change your focus and thinking and making conscious efforts to start reflecting on all the things that did go right. And then that will give you the right to feel happy, the right to feel, you know, content, the right to have a grateful day. Um, number eight, challenge negative thoughts. Whew, this could be a little tough. <laughs> Because it's a, um, it's a battle with your mind. And the battle with your mind, sometimes it, it gets the best of you. So um, a lot of our negative thoughts are based on like a little more than our own fears and our doubts and our low self-esteem. So to help you overcome them, you need to constantly challenge your negative thoughts. So the next time you start to feel negative, try writing down what your feelings are and then write down your arguments for and against those thoughts. Ask yourself, what's the evidence that these thoughts are actually true? What's the evidence that they are, they're not? You could even try purposely acting the opposite of how you feel and seeing what happens. You may find that your negative predictions don't come true after all. So really challenge it. Um, number nine, focus on the solution rather than the problem. Um, I can't even really add on to that. I think it is what it is <laughs> with, with that one. And then there's fake it for number 10. Optimism isn't something that comes naturally to all of us, but you may find it that it takes time to change your mindset. And that's real. Like your mindset won't change overnight. It's going to take time. So um, I think J. Cole says it in one of his songs, you know, you got to fake it till you make it. So try that word. That works. Sometimes you got to push through that smile, push through that smile, speaking in that positive, positive tone. Acting the way you want to feel will help you on your way to becoming the optimist that you need to be. And lastly, don't dwell on the past. What happened 
in the past happened and how you deal with the aftermath is the most important thing. There's no point in, you know, appreciating blame either on yourself or others. And that's something that I have a problem with myself. I know that I tend to be extra hard on myself. We are our worst critics. So you have to sometimes just like forgive yourself, be kind to yourself. I know that's something that Anna consistently pushes um, to our audience, to herself, and to our group of friends is to be kind to yourself. So, yeah. Those are some great tips on um, being an optimist. Very nice, Kel. Loved it. Okay. So, I have one more thing that I want to talk about. Um, mm -hmm. Can you scroll up a little bit? Um, it down, sorry. All right. Oh, oh, oh. You know what? I'm going to share. Sorry, you paused it. All right. Yeah. So I know I wanted to talk about one more thing and that would be just talking about like all the changes that we have seen and, you know, where we are now. So Anna, share, uh, can you share with us a little bit about like where we are now and where we yeah. are? Yes. Yes. Um, it's been, it's been crazy to see what a difference this week has made. Um, a lot of people say it's so crazy what a day, what a difference a day or a week makes or whatever, a month, a year, but especially specifically this week has made this past seven days has made such a huge, humongous difference. It's sad that it was at the hands of you know, it, it was because of a life being lost, but a lot of times we'll see that that is what happens. I mean, you know, Christians that believe, you know, <laughs> we had to leave, lose Jesus, you know, to, to see a change in people. People are, you know, I'm going off on a tangent, but we see how people are humans are and um it's sad that sometimes it takes that but i love to see the change that comes when we all come together to reprimand and to find justice for those that have been wrong and we have clearly been been seeing that um as of late one of my favorite things um that i've been loving to see is um okay so we did report last week let me start here actually we did report last week that um, all the officers involved were actually arrested finally. Um, it seems like one of those officers was actually a rookie and had only been on the job for four days. I'm not sure which one it was, but um, you know, sucks to be you because that's where ethics comes in <laughs> and integrity. And you know, I can't feel sorry for the person that was on the job for four days. Um, you know, because they could have stepped in and been like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? You know, and maybe they wouldn't have gotten in trouble. I'm not saying it, it would have stopped the man from killing, um, <laughs> you but know, I think it, would, however, it would have shown that he, this person, I don't know, again, which one, which officer it was, but it would have showed compassion from that officer and that officer trying to intervene. Um, and he could have had a totally different story. Instead, he's going to jail. Like that that bus driver said. <laughs> so that girl on the bus. Girl. You're going to jail. Okay? So, 
yeah, so they're going, they're, um, you know, in custody. They are going to trial. So kudos for that. We want to see them be, um, you know, reprimanded. I did want to say, Kel, that I found out that apparently, um, you know, there's been rumblings around the fact that George Floyd and Derek Chauvin um, used to be uh, co-workers or something like that. They used to actually work as um, security guards for the same nightclub. And they apparently, one of their former co-workers um, said that the two men bumped heads while they were working together. And it was already floating around that they had some sort of um, disdain for each other. So remember when you were saying that you was hoping that they could prove um, for it to be a uh, first degree murder, which mm-hmm. is, you know, when it is actually premeditated. I found that it, I remember like disagreeing and saying that, you know, no, I think we should stick with the second degree. And although I still feel like the second degree is a stronger case per se, this is something here where it makes me feel a little like mm, this is a little premeditated because this feels like you don't like this guy already and y'all butted head so much and then you saw him and you pulled up or whatever and you decided to F with him. You know, you decided to fuck with him and then you decided to put your knee on. Like, were you that upset at this point that now you was going to give him what he deserves, quote unquote, like that does start to go in the realm of premeditation. Thoughts? I agree. Um, I agree. I I think it's... I'm going to take it back to a statement that, well, it's not even to take it back in this situation. It's a fast forward slash taking it back Um, to the statement that Neo said at the funeral about um, thanking George Floyd for his sacrifice. And I wonder, you know, is it a right place, right time type of situation that this had to happen the way it had to happen Um, in order for like... The timeline, like how how ironic or how how coincidental is it that that man ended up being the police officer to come and check you of all people and out of all the police officers at that station, he ended up you know being there to be the arresting officer for your case so um I don't know it's just it's interesting I think- very coincidental to your point. Yeah. We'll have to see where that goes. Right, right. Yeah. Um, another change that I saw early on was the fact that um Roger Goodell, uh, who is the uh, I don't even know what you would call him, the owner of the NFL, I guess. So Commissioner. Oh, okay. Yes. He <laughs> he was um on video saying that he or he put out a video rather saying that basically in a nutshell that they were wrong for, you know, of course, not naming Colin Kaepernick when he was saying this statement, but that they were wrong for reprimanding um, and dis, dis, uh, disassociating with players that wanted to kneel in protest. He encouraged players to kneel in protest and he wants to stand in solidarity with blacks because hey guess what it's a whole bunch of fucking blacks that play in the nfl in the first fucking place you know and this came out after there was a whole bunch of star football players that were black that came up 
after uh, Drew Brees said whatever nonsense that he said about, oh, my, my grandparents was in the um, fucking war and they fought. No, shut your dumb ass up. This is, again, you know, this whole conversation of, you know, all lives matter and why would you kneel? Is disrespectful to the flag? Why do we still have this conversation? Trump even stated, um, could it be remote? He said in his Twitter account, which is a joke. Um, could it be even remotely possible that in Roger Goodell's rather interesting statement of peace and reconciliation, he was (laughs) intimating, (laughs) and yes, that's exactly what he wrote, intimating, uh, so I don't know what the fuck that is, intimating, uh, insinuating, is that what he's trying to say, um, that it would now be okay for the players to, in all caps, kneel or not to stand for the national anthem thereby disrespecting our country and our flag (laughs) oh you know okay this is where we come into the sincerity conversation because of course we we're not even gonna you know we're not even gonna comment on trump because he's an idiot and clearly he just wants to incite divide amongst us and um you know at least whether roger goodell was being sincere or not he was trying to bring people together whether it's for his own good or not that's what he was trying to do he's trying to bring about peace um now i think that roger goodell was doing that because he knew that some of those players you know especially the younger ones from what i hear amongst men that talk about it like it you know it's not like an older player that um an older set of players that you know oh they gonna phase out soon anyway this was a set of players that are going to be playing football for a long time and if they decided to peace out and not play oh you lost your whole viewing part you know and you know a lot of white people don't like to cheer on black people unless it's in a stadium but that's that's a whole other conversation but kel thoughts yeah i just feel like i feel like every a lot of not even just, I'm not even going to limit it to um, Roger Goodell or um, Drew Brees, but all of these people that are now coming out, even down to Anna Wintour. Yep, I'm calling you out to Vogue. Um, for Oh, yes, because she was disrespectful as hell to that little black man that she always had by her side. I can't remember his name right now, but he wrote a whole book on her ass disrespecting him all his life. Feeding, right putting him to the side and you stand behind us you stay in the cut you stay in the cut right like it, it's i cannot accept the apology because i feel like it is insincere and i'll i'm i'm gonna touch on the two i'm gonna come back to anna i'm gonna go back to the the nfl i feel like if it was sincere they would address their wrong all the way from the beginning they would acknowledge colin kaepernick at least once and be like we were wrong Colin and we apologize we want to have a sit-down conversation to really understand what you were trying to say because we were being ignorant and we were doing it intentionally and now we and and allow him to come back and play too if he wants to you know yeah I agree and I think it needs to be more courses of action I don't need to just hear your apology I need to see how you're going to make a change what steps are you going to do to fix this situation don't just donate your money I need a little bit more especially because the way that you persecuted him and the media and put him in the situations that he did. It's by the grace of God that he is a strong mind 
and that he is a, and I'm just speaking based off of what I see. I don't even know that this could be factual that he has a strong mind, but he's, you know, from the appearance of what we're seeing, he is a strong mind and he's still actively pursuing, you know, justice for all of our black and brown people. And to go back to Anna Wintour. So I, I saw on Fox News, and I'm going to be the one to tell you guys, I do watch Fox News because I personally, I love the um, interludes. They have great music. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's good to watch the other side. I, I don't think that's something that's, you know, like like you are a Republican now. Right. You know, watch Fox right. News. I right. I personally like the music, and unfortunately, the person who does the music has now passed away, and it's clear that that person is not there anymore because the music isn't the same. But um, I felt like, and I feel like it's not all of Fox Five. I think there is some really great people, um, anchors, news anchors that are not necessarily Republican, and they're not with the shits. And I could tell you, it's a new day and time on even the news. So today on Fox Five News, my homegirl, shout out to you. Um, Allison Seymour, um, they had asked her her opinion about the um, Anna Wintour situation with her coming out and apologizing for all the wrong that she might have done to other people, other Black models, um, other, you know, people who have associated with Vogue or whatever, and how she's mistreated them or didn't give them the right attention or the dues that they were, they were due. And she... As she was saying, she was like, I feel like it was, she was trying to like hold back. And then she was like, nah, fuck that. She didn't say fuck that, but she was just like, you know, she coughed and she said, you know, I'm going to be real in this moment. (laughs) And she gave her honest opinion. I was like, okay. She was like, it's disingenuous. And I'm like, yawns. I don't even want to hear your apology anymore. Because at this point, we know that it's like, she was like, we've been in slavery for over 400 years. And she acted. I was like, Go, girl. I was like cheering her on. And it was like her and a white girl next to her. And the white girl was just like, okay. <laughs> We're having this conversation. And then she was like, I mean, but doing this. understand where I'm coming from? And then the girl was like, you know, you're right. And I'm like, yes, this is what we need to do. We need to start having these honest ass conversations. And it's okay not to accept their apology. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's not genuine, why accept fakeness? No, demand more. You are you're worth more. We we should be respected more. And your the words out of your mouth is not enough. Exactly. I agree. I agree. I didn't mean to get um, that passionate. My bad. No, no, it's cool because you know, in the fashion industry, they haven't said enough. Um, Ducky Thought, who thought, who is a very um popular, um, beautiful model who's actually she's from gorgeous. Australia. Hmm? She's gorgeous. Her and her sister. Yes, right. You know what was crazy? Really quick side note. Um, <laughs> I saw, you know, y'all know I love watching YouTube vloggers or whatever. And especially like the little family ones that they are so cute. And I saw one with a girl, um, Australian, black woman, beautiful, beautiful, dark, dark skin tone, deep, deep skin tone. And she was married to a white man and they have a beautiful little daughter and she was pregnant at the time that I started watching, she was actually pregnant um, with the second child. And so I used to follow her and stuff and, and watch her videos ever so often because it's interesting to see people, you know, especially Black people in other countries, especially like Australia. Like a lot of us don't know enough about Australia. And child, when I found out that was Ducky Thoughts, <laughs> sister, like her name is Nikki Thought, I think. 
And I was like, oh, shit. Uh, well, it probably isn't Nikki Thought anymore. It's probably something else, you know. Right, whatever I forgot her, her last name, name, but yeah. Yes, but I think her name is Nikki. And I was like, yo, that that makes so much sense. But anyway, um, yeah, Ducky Thought was calling out the fashion industry as well. And, you know, might as well dive into this part of the conversation as well, too, really quick before we continue with the positives. Um you know, something about, it's also about change too. The fact that there are a lot of people in the music industry um, flipping stuff on its head as well. You know, um, one of my homegirls from high, from college um, named Amaya, she works for um, Republic Records. And so Republic Records, I think it was formerly something else. I don't know if it was Columbia or whatever, but anyway, she put out um, a post that they had um, put out in a statement saying, effective immediately, Republic Records will remove urban from our verbiage in describing departments, employee titles, and music genres. We encourage the rest of the music industry to consider following suit as it is important to shape the future of what we want it to look like as to not adhere to outdated structures of the past. And so, you know, a lot of people had stuff to say about Blackout Tuesday and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of people that were, um, as soon as Blackout Tuesday ended, um, a lot of folks were asking these big companies, whether it was makeup, um, hair care lines, all that different stuff, to share who works in these companies? How many black people work in these companies? So that was like really flipping shit on its head. And a lot of people felt like these music execs that um, like, I know that Amanda Seals was one of the main ones that was criticizing it. Um, I don't know if y'all saw the video where she was like, I don't have the time. I'm on my trampoline. That's like one of my favorite things. Yes, I know. <laughs> I love it. Because they were asking her, not sure which company, um, which which companies these music execs were from, but they were asking her to give some insight and help them with, um, I guess, getting educated and getting gaining more insight into the black struggle, so to speak. And she was like, "No, you do your motherfucking research, motherfucker." At this point, and so um, you know, she felt like, and a lot of few, a lot of people that are, like, closer to the music industry that I, um, listen to, like Joe Budden podcast as well, expressed the same things about how they felt like, you know, it was a piss poor way because, you know, even though I feel like I'm glad people showed solidarity, they felt like, you know, just posting a black square and having time off from work to, deepen their knowledge quote unquote a lot of people took that as a day off you know it wasn't really something that they could use to put back into the black community and how do we do that so going off of that i wanted to read a couple excerpts from this article called the elephant in the room and it was an open letter from ronald e sweeney which is um a co-founder of Johnson and Sweeney, and he was a veteran of the U.S. business, um, and also represented the Black Godfather, Clarence Avant, as well as Eazy-E and Ruthless Records. So, he said, I'm happy that Universal, Warner, and Sony Music want to donate money to support Black Lives, Black Lives Matter movement, but what the movement needs is meaningful change. So, this is what me and Cal want to get into. 
not window dressing, address the elephant in the room. Why is it that black music generates millions and millions of dollars a year, yet none of the companies have meaningful number of, have a meaningful number of employees of color, let alone in the executive suite. You always hear somebody like, um, you know, some Jewish name person that is, you know, the head of, you know, Interscope or something like that. I can't think of the names off the top of my, Jimmy Iovine and, you know, all these different kind of people. Like, it's never a Black person that is, unless it's like Russell Simmons, who's clearly under fire and under hot water right now, but we'll get to his ass next week because I just can't right now. (laughs) And I personally need to look at the documentary before I comment, but we'll get to his nasty ass next week. But unless it's someone like that or, or Diddy or something, there's always some, you know, it's more so white, out of touch people in those C-suites. Um, the few employees that work only black, um, the flu, few employees there work only black music. Minority employees are virtually non-existent in many other areas of the company. With few exceptions, minorities lack authority to make decisions and had to say, mother may I, to get something done, AKA ask for money for the budget. Um, Yes, you have a few exceptions. Every year, black music generates hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars a year. Black music has been responsible for the driving, for, for and the driving force of increasing the value of these companies in the financial markets. And I would even say the driving force and influence in, and this is me saying this, in just music and culture in general. Um, Let me continue. Over the years, I've negotiated millions and millions of dollars in deals and done incredible business with all the companies. And I still feel like some executives are still talking at me instead of to me. So he had some suggestions. Um, If the music companies are serious about making changes, address the elephant in the room. Number one, Sony, Warner, and Universal create new companies to be headed by minorities. This is what you was talking about, Kel, with hiring people in these positions, Um, which I'm starting to see more and more. You know, you saw Alex Ohanian, who's Serena Williams' husband, um, resigning and um, trying trying to stress that a Black person needs to be hired in his, I think he's the owner of Reddit or some shit like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So um, hire um, to be headed by minorities, give them their own budgets and let them run the companies like you currently do with other executives. Empower them, trust them. People need jobs, not just donations. Amen. Create an executive, this number two, create an executive training program. This is, this was really like key to me. Because this is giving them opportunity. Because you can say, hire these people, hire Black people, but if the Black people pool that you're pulling from doesn't really have the experience and hasn't had the opportunity more so to have gained that experience, then you can fall back on, oh, this person didn't know what they were doing. Meanwhile, all these white people that's been running Cadillac records and shit for how long, <laughs> for <laughs> decades, you know, they have experience in running these types of businesses. So number two, create an executive training program where you actually teach a number of minorities each year the worldwide 
record business. Make it a three-year program and rotate them through various departments so one day they will have the experience and expertise to run a major record company. Three, hire minorities. That goes without saying, you know, what they're basically saying. Give them the budget and authority to make decisions as opposed to having to wait on someone to decide who often does not even understand the music or the culture. Bong. Like, what? Number four, go into Black colleges and adequately fund and sponsor industry business programs and create a talent pool in which you can draw upon. Len Blavinick, I guess these are head people, you're arguably the most, the smartest and most generous philanthropist in the record business, and you own the Warner Music Group. Vicente Bellore, <laughs> you are a major philanthropist as well as, as well, and control the Universal Music Group. Universal has recently been valued over $3 billion in part because of the success of Black music, of course, your deal, and your deal-making abilities. Gentlemen, please give serious thought as you are giving away money to contributing in a meaningful way to help financially stabilize all of the historically black colleges and use of universities, um, large and small. Amen. And just quick hits. Number five, empower those creators in the streets. So that's all our people, you know. That's out there, you know, whether you used to sell bootlegs or you just out here, you know, producing for the for the cheap, empower those people. Six goes without saying he didn't even have a description underneath this. Pay your minority employees equal pay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Seven, make it a point to use minority vendors for ancillary um, services needed by the companies. Um, so that means all the other services that um, are needed, not just to produce the music, to be the talent, you know, to dress them, like all the other type of vendors, like food, blah, 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 you know. With respect, number eight, with respect to Black artists signed to you prior to 2000, there are no longer, that are no longer signed to your company. Zero out there unrecouped royalty balances. Woo, my man's spitting and let their royalties flow to them so they can support themselves. And nine, make it the record company's policy to notify creators who have monies that belong to them that, um, but have not been released for technical reasons. And he had a couple more items on there, I think about four or five more, but um, Kel, you know, like that, what are you That thoughts? was beautiful. That was amazing. That is a great start. That is a great start. And I personally feel like he didn't even have to do that. You know what I mean? Because I feel like if you're smart enough to create these businesses, you're smart enough to come up with all these creative marketing plans, you're smart enough to figure out trajectories and projections of anything, then you should be smart enough to know how to, to include these, um, these equality pieces into your everyday work. You are not, you are, will, you're, you're of a sound mind. You're very creative. You're a visionary. And if you could do all those things, I don't understand why it takes another black person to have to sit down and explain A through Z to you, which should be something that's just commonly known. Like, I know common sense isn't, isn't common. Girl, you know, it's not. If they say all lives matter, you know, it's not, it, it don't make no 
I don't know how Black Lives Matter becomes disrespectful. It, it's just like, I, for the life of me, I will never understand how that becomes threatening. Other than you feeling threatened by the people in general. You know, you got, what's his name, cooning out, saying it's Black supremacy. <laughs> I just... I, it's like, it's not even like talking to a third grader. Like, you know how you say, we got to spell things out for some people, like they're third graders. Like, it's not even like talking to a third grader because I feel like a third grader would understand the terms, the three words, Black Lives Matter. Oh, so Black Lives Matter, mommy? Oh, yes, I, I understand that. I mean, it's not hard for these children. When I was at, the, at DC at Black Lives Matter Plaza, and children were walking by like, and if it's injustice, then it's not justice for anyone, right? If it's injustice, it's not, it's not hard. It's not hard. They don't want to do it. And they have to be called on their shit. And that's why, even though I know I didn't pronounce them men, those two men's names right, the owners of Universal and Warner, but he said their names because that was his politically correct way of calling them out. You are, and, and then he said that they were philanthropists, aka you got money. You got money to spare. <laughs> I anyway, think I thought you were taken away. That title needs to be taken away. Right, because it's a benevolent. It's a I think you, about the community. Yeah, and, and it's benevolent. Yes. Right. That, that title, you can say that you gave donations. That's fine. But a, a true philanthropist is equal. You know, they, they have an equal mindset. A, a true philanthropist wouldn't do the, some of the vicious things that has been done to a lot of Black people, like giving them shitty-ass contracts and things like that. Word, word, word. Come yeah. up with a new title. Yeah. Um, okay, so moving on. Some of the other things that we've seen are... <laughs> I'll, I'll first talk about the statues. Ciao. So the Robert E. Lee statue was like one of the first ones to go down in um, Richmond, Virginia. I remember riding around Richmond, Virginia with my cousin, Carla, and um, it was when she was graduating from VCU and she was just educating us on, you know, how they had all of these racist statues all throughout the town. And I, I can't, I always get foggy on what Richmond was, because I, I can't remember if Baltimore was the capital of the U.S. I mean, I know it was like Philadelphia was at one point, and then it's like, I'm always confused about, oh, I think Richmond was the Confederate capital or something like that. Either way, um, I feel like um, it's it was just amazing to see Yes. And so uh, I feel like it was just really amazing to see um, that that was finally being taken down. There's been so many protests around a lot of these racist figures of history. That's what I would call them. Um, you know, they may have uh, conquered or or made strides in American, I don't know, soil and, and you know, establishing, you know, whatever but they were racist a lot of them were racist pieces of shit and disrespectful and then they've been following suit in more places like boston virginia they've been taken by christopher columbus which we all know the only christopher we acknowledge is wallace 
Okay. So, <laughs> you know, we've been tired of Christopher Columbus ass. And now they weren't having it in Boston and Virginia. They done beheaded his ass and took him down. Apparently, I'm going to play the video for Kel. Apparently, they took his head down and beheaded him, but they did take him up out of the water, um, which it was like, eh, all right. Um, I think this was in Boston. They pulled, they threw him in a lake, but they took him up out of the water. So now he's standing, with, still there standing with his head beheaded, which is, you know, I think a nice mockery. And then even in places like Belgium, uh, where they were um, taking down his, um, I said his, like y'all know who I'm talking about, King Leopold, which was a colonizer. Oh, actually, this was in um, the Congo, I believe. Um, they took down um, his statue and he was someone that basically in a nutshell had circuses and zoos of African men and women and children and people would go and look at them in Belgium and just pet black people like they were as you can see in these pictures in Brussels and stuff like that um, pet them like they were you know actual animals and it's disgusting. And so now um, they've put the Democratic Republic of Congo flag um, around his uh, statue, a couple of his statues, and they were chanting murderer. And this was on June 7, 2020. And I believe from the looks of this picture that they finally took the statue down. So I'm all here for them taking down statues. Uh, we got the House Democrats. I know I'm supposed to finish up, but we, you know, we got the House Democrats um, kneeling with kente cloths this this is the time <laughs> when it's like okay girl like we have to remember they're just doing anything. all i want to say really quick on that is let's read the room let's read the room doing this as i said on my personal instagram story doing this is very insensitive why because you don't have to do all that you are creating uh, you are making us into a monolith um, by symbolizing with the kente cloth. I know that you were trying to pay respects and say, you know, we are with you. We adorn ourselves in the kente cloth or whatever. And I wish I knew more history on the kente cloth. But from what I do know, I know that if you came out here to say denounce the um, the wall, the Mexican wall that's being built over Mexico to not allow immigrants, immigrants to come over, and you came over there with some rurals and a mariachi band, that would be very racially insensitive. So it's not necessarily as insensitive, but it comes off very disconnected and, of course, tone deaf. Um, and they did this to reveal the police reform bill and kneel, um, and the kneeling shit I just feel like that's weird because isn't that what Derek Chavez did to kill <laughs> our our loved one, George Floyd? Why are we kneeling? What, because you saw Cap do it? Like, uh, okay, Cap did that four years ago. And y'all now y'all are using this kneel shit because you've seen the police officers that did it. And it's like, cut that kneeling shit out. Just stand up, have a moment of silence, and sign the bill, and that's good enough. Thank you. And say his name. Say his name. They're talking yeah. about defunding the police in more and more places. That is great. We'll post, um, because I know we got to move on. We will share on our IG stories 
more information on why we want um, to defund the police and put more of those pro more of that funding back into programs to benefit the black community. And salute to this football player. I can't remember his name, but he basically said, mm, should we put that into reparations, defund the police nationally and pay it in reparations? Why not? I'd love to get engaged in the um, conversation around, um, you know, reparations again, you know, and it'll be really interesting to see how they pay that out because there's so many, that's a whole other conversation around mixed Black people and Black people that live here but aren't descendants from um, here necessarily. It'll be interesting to see if they stick to just African-Americans that have a lineage here, which um, I'm not mad at that either if that's what happens because I, I think they've endure, endured the most of the issues. But uh, make sure you check Black on that um, census. <laughs> And lastly, salute to Texas Southern University. And I do have to say Kanye West um, for offering, uh, Kanye West offered to pay for George Floyd's daughter's um, schooling in college and um, Texas Southern University is offering um, a full ride scholarship to her to their six-year-old daughter. So that's beautiful, girl. Get your education. Yes, boo-boo. Yes. Okay, Kel. Uh, now that we got that, oh, and shout out to all the different states. I have to say shout out to all the different states that have um, been putting down Black Lives Matter, uh, whether it looks like chicken scratch or not, we here with you. <laughs> Some places, uh, you know, they was frying. What place was that? Was that uh, San Diego? Not San Diego, um, the Bay Area, somewhere in the Bay Area. I think they was doing it. Uh, what's her name? Jess Hilarious was like, all right now. <laughs> she it did look a little off, but bless their hearts. They were the first ones to do it. Now, uh, North Carolina and Charlotte, they did it. Uh, looks like, trying to do it. Yeah, and they tend to do it around the the um, the areas like Albany, New York. They tend to do it in like the capitals or whatever. Um, I know the capital, Charlotte isn't the capital of North Carolina, but all a lot of other locations are doing it near the capitals and putting it right outside of where the capital is. And so I'm here for it. All right. So we about to get into this insecure conversation. <laughs> yes, let's switch gears again, you guys. Um, you know, we wanted to take your minds off of everything that has been, um, you know, plaguing us. You know, we, we understand as you know, that sometimes you need a little break and we are here to provide you with that. Uh, we also have some great um, things to take your mind off of, you know, some of your stressors this week. We got a drink tutorial coming. Um, by the time you hear this podcast, you most likely would have seen it pop up on our feed. Um, so make sure you check that out. Uh, I think you'll like it. We'll have more of those coming later this month. And just some great content. I know Kel posted something about um, the cognac conversations. We started the cognac conversations just to educate you on um, just why cognac is superior and why it's so, you know, exclusive. So make sure you check our Instagram feed to learn more and always stay in touch with us. Indeed. So, Hold on. Yeah. 
can't hear you. Can't hear you. You're on mute. Sorry. All right, y'all. So I know that this episode was really, really long, um, but we had so much to talk about today. We already told y'all, you know, bad shit happened this past week. So I ain't sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> okay. I, there's a lot of shit I didn't talk about. So, <laughs> but, you know, we don't want to shortchange you guys on the Insecure um, recap. So we are going to do a short, quick one on the last two episodes that we've seen. And then from there, next episode, we just going to make it in. And unless the world blows up and aliens come back, whatever, we can shake the head because she know that's possible. Okay? Anything is literally Anything possible. Is possible. <laughs> So we gonna have a nice little yak, yakety yak episode. Yes, I like that yakety yak episode um, where we're gonna talk about insecure and drink some yak, and you know maybe we can bring Cece on. We'll have to check her schedule, of course, but uh, you know just to bring her back because you know we have some great banter with her about insecure. But without further ado, Kel, hit us yeah. with low key happy. All right, y'all. So in episode eight of Loki Happy, we see Lawrence reconnect with Issa and they have the epic conversation that shows growth on both of their parts. We see them be very vulnerable and learn to move forward. They have the cutest date, yo. That date night was so bomb. And it was filled with art, black art at that, food. You know, that's me and Anna's thing. We foodies out here. And you know, it won't it won't be a true insecure episode without Issa's awkwardness, you know? And Well, that that was a date for you and me. Like that clearly, was like a, that was clearly. And, <laughs> and whenever it comes <laughs> awkwardness, always comes the slim chances. Wherever there's a slim chance, it's happening. It's happening. And everything's screaming black love. So um I just want to do a quick reaction to the conversation about the past. Could you ever have a mature conversation at this point in your life with an ex like they did on that show? I think um, I've had mature conversations with exes, but about my actual relationship, I think I could now because I have totally moved on for all, from all of my exes. Um, you know, I would have to think of one where, okay, I have one where I did wonder why that person just dipped off and it wasn't even... I have to admit that wasn't even an ex. That wasn't a full-blown relationship. So <laughs> can I say, but just for the sake of the conversation, um, I probably would ask like what happened or whatever, but at, at, at the core, like when you really have fully moved on, you can have those um, honest conversations. I mean, those um, constructive and productive conversations and yeah if somebody was single and they had that conversation yeah I could see how that could lead to sex like it did for them because it was like oh we're free again like no eggshells <laughs> like, right. like uh, Lauren said it was just uh it was refreshing because we see a lot of games especially in the age of social media and waste his time hashtag waste his time and hashtag waste her time and you know they definitely didn't do that they didn't waste any of their time they made the best of their time with each other um they were honest and straightforward and what i really appreciated is and was inspired by was isa being like you know i don't want the night to end how many of us have been there where we felt like 
we didn't want the night to end, but we waited for the other shoe to drop from the other person. And she went ahead and took a leap of faith and it worked out. Right. So, right. Yeah. So do you think that she they should um, let the past be the past and move forward with each other? Or do you feel like she's making a mistake and should move forward with her relationship with Ghost Town DJ Nate? Ah, Ghost Town DJ Nate, I hate you. <laughs> uh, well, based off of, I'll speak on this episode and then I'll go back to that again once I talk about low-key trying. So based off of this episode, it seemed like to me like she was... Um, Actually, when she did her walk, and that was like across the whole, you know, Los Angeles <laughs> in them heels. I was like, damn, girl. I didn't really read that correctly once I saw Lil P trying. But at first, I thought it was her saying, you know, I got that out my system. Or not even I got that out my system. Like, I did that. I lived in that moment. You know how some men could be like that? Like, oh, I just want to live in this moment with you tonight, girl, you know, on some Drake shit. I felt like she did that. When I first saw Loki happy, I was like, yo, she really is happy because she was able to do that, disconnect, uh, and be like, you know, I'll call you when I'm ready. And, right. and peace out. Now, do you want me to go into Loki trying or did you? Yes. Okay. So going into Loki trying, you know, it shows when they open up that they're, they're reconnecting in many ways. <laughs> You know, they're falling back in love with each other and, you know, really falling back into their a, a new routine, but a routine that is very familiar to them. Um, they're both in really great places in their life. Um, he, you know, he's opportunistic trying to figure out if he's going to take this job in San Francisco. And she is, you know, continuing to plan her next set of events. Um, and so it, it was really cute to see them trying to have a relationship with each other and stuff. Um, so I wasn't expecting that when I saw the, the opening scenes with them having sex on the couch and all that stuff. I was in different positions and outfits and ponytails. And I was like, all right. He said, and Dennis was like, you know, how long, what is the time span here? Because at first it looked like it was, um, you know, months, but then Dennis was like, no, that actually might've seemed like a week or so. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I underestimated how many times us as black women change our hair. We yep. could change our hair that much in a couple of weeks. Yep. But <laughs> I digress. Anyway, you know, so Issa, you know, meets up with Molly and that's like, you know, we always talk about this with like girlfriends and Dennis um, called it out too how the true love story in Girlfriends is, um, you know, how in Sex and the City, Big and Carrie is the big love story. Aside from her best friends, that's a, that's a thing too. But definitely in Girlfriends, the love story is Tony and um, Joan. Mm -hmm. And Tony is like Joan's big. I feel like that's what is happening in Insecure. Mm -hmm. uh, big is uh molly and Issa is carrie absolutely right. um and so <laughs> when they when they were supposed to link up long story short when they did link up finally in the episode and they were just kind of talking around circles and stuff i've been there before i think when it really mattered um you know i think that like i'll say the example of me and you when we've had disagreements I think I really appreciated it, even though I hate confrontation, especially like with a best friend like you. 
I hate it, but I really appreciate it, even in that moment, and definitely after that moment, when you reached out, you know, you put yourself out there and been like, no, something is wrong. We're not going to beat around the bush. Let's talk about this. That shows me that you don't want no funny shit and you want to repair our relationship so there's nothing festering and lingering. Right. And I try to adopt that in in relationships as well. I feel like Issa was just playing it safe with Molly and that I'm sure disappointed Molly. But Molly just, I'll let you discuss what Molly was doing before we get into Nathan. Molly is a whole nother level. This, I can't even say this episode, this whole fucking season, she's been a whole nother level, you know, and we're really starting to see the ugly in her. And, you know, every, when you see Molly, you see this polished, stylish, you know, put together woman. And the inside is just ghetto. Yeah. <laughs> it's ghetto. Ghetto. You know? And um, we, we're seeing all the effects of all of her relationships full circle from her daddy issues, from her best friend issues with Issa, and now her, even her relationship with Andrew. And then it really, so when you look at all of those scenarios, you see the common denominators, you sis. It's you. And until you're ready to heal and actually do the work, nothing is going to happen. So I did love how they opened up with her being in therapy, but sis was not ready for it. She she wasn't in the mind to move forward. She was still looking at everything through like those rose-colored lenses, like it's everybody else, it's not me. And not seeing the reflection of the dirt and grime that she has put into each of these relationships so um i don't know how far you want me to go with that yeah oh uh, okay well just a quick interruption so we see you know act everything that you said you know and just to piggyback on what you said with andrew andrew's brother invites him to go to a basketball game and you know long story short molly's like nope i don't want to go you can have fun though and then they end up having a discussion about it again later and andrew's like you know i wish you would have came and she's like well you know you know that would have made me uncomfortable i don't know why you would ask me to do something that makes me uncomfortable i i was here and there i know it's different when it's a tv show and you just have this like you kind of fast tracking relationships on TV shows. So you're just like, why can't she just stop be trip and stop tripping or whatever? But maybe if it was me or, you know, it was my friend that went through that scenario, I might've been like, yeah, that was too soon. You know? So I have to give Molly a little, you know, not kudos, but a little space there. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, <laughs> you know, cause that's, that's a point. Like, if it was you and that happened to you, what happened with her and the brother or whatever, um, and then when y'all came back home from Cancun a week or two later, he talking about let's go to the Staples game, like, I could understand if you felt like you wasn't ready yet, but she didn't even seem like she was open to talking to that nigga ever again. That was fucked up. Right, um, I feel like it's different because that was, that's his brother, that's his family, you know, if that was And like he said that you know, it would be different. And I feel like it's so interesting that she always used the, used the word selfish when it comes to Issa, but she's selfish as shit too, because she doesn't never meet anyone halfway. Never. Right, exactly. And so, <laughs> I, you know, she, she is just too much. Anyway, so you see when they're getting into that little argument that Nathan, oh, prior to that, 
Nathan and Issa, you know, Nathan, Issa goes and helps Nathan after, of course, talking it over with, um, you know, Lawrence in a nutshell and getting Lawrence's support to allow her to not allow her, but to be cool with her going and helping somebody that she previously had a relationship somewhat with. So anyway, she goes and helps Nathan and Nathan, of course, tries to like push up a little bit on her, you know, like try to feel her out and be like, oh, you know, you inspire my hustle, all that common shit, you know, <laughs> with the common vibes, but <laughs> with his deep voice. And then she was like, all right, gotta cut the cord. You know, and he tries to fry her and Lawrence talking about, I thought she was over that shit. That nigga ain't shit, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she defended her little bae, um, rightfully so. And she was like, at least he used his words. And so then here comes, I had feelings about this. Here comes Nathan sharing that he found out that he was bipolar. While I do understand like him correcting her in that moment, I did not feel like... I did not feel like that was an excuse for her to, or that should have necessarily changed the subject, but Issa's a better person than me. Um, she was very empathetic to him. And, you know, she, I like that she wasn't like, you know, why didn't you tell me and stuff like that? Cause that's a personal matter and y'all wasn't even tight like that. You know, this time came and blah, blah, blah. but I still was looking at him sideways. Like, nigga, I don't give a fuck right now. You talking about, you know, all this fuck shit to me, talking crazy to me, but I am, I still am not the type of person that would go for the gusto after that. I probably, I'm sitting here talking about Issa's a better person than me. I probably would have had the same reaction, but he still was a fuck nigga for that moment. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the, when they went to the house, then after that conversation with Issa and Andrew, Issa and Nathan walk in. It was awkward at first, but then, you know, Andrew kind of gives uh, uh, Molly the eye and Molly says, stay for dinner. And then, you know, it transitions to them eating and, and drinking and having a good time reminiscing. Molly and Issa are sounding so funny with each other. Not funny in a bad way, but like enjoying each other's time and Nathan and Andrew are chilling. They decide to play a drinking game. And during the drinking game, they run out of drinks. And then Andrew runs off to go get some, some more, I said juice, some more wine out of the fridge. Uh, and then you see Molly pick up her phone and text message who she thought was Andrew. See, I'm really trying with her. And then <laughs> with a smile on her face, and then she puts the phone down and keeps talking. But then you realize that the text actually went to Issa. And so Issa immediately picked up on what the fuck she was trying to get at. And she said, I think I'm going to just go. And she got up. Everybody's like, what's going on? But Molly instantly knew. Molly does chase after her. Somebody in another podcast pointed that out. She does chase after her in the beginning, which I was like, good. Okay, that's true. And then she does approach Issa and say, I wish you didn't have to see that. You know, I'm sorry you had to see that. And then they get into the real meat of the, the root of what's going on. And at one point in the conversation, Issa says, well, let's talk about what happened at the, at the block party. And I can't remember what Molly said in response, but she ends up ending things with, well, I don't know. I think maybe who you are now and who, who I am just we're not meant to be friends. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, that's basically what she said. And so Issa said, wow. You know, she didn't say wow, but you know, you saw the look of hurt on her face, like somebody that got dumped. You know, said, when okay. a nigga says that yep. to you, 
She said, okay, right. She said, okay. And then asshole Molly <laughs> comes back and says, okay. And it's like, bitch, what are you, what, was you, what did you think that I was going to say? Like, I'm not fucking you. You not my man. You not licking my coochie. Why the fuck am I chasing after you? You said what you said. And Kel, you know me. I'll be quick. And I feel like you've been here before too. You know me. Even if it was my man that said that to me, I'd be like, okay, I'm out. You know, right. because what you're not going to do is try to make me chase you after I've been, I'm sitting here trying. Being vulnerable. I'm already being vulnerable and saying, let's, let's talk this through. Let's do this. Like, what more do you want me to say, Tyrese? Like, <laughs> what more do you want from me? You know, you're going to say. Okay. What you think? So those are my thoughts. You know, uh, of course, Issa gets into her little lift or oobs, whatever she was in. And she peaced out, and that's where the episode ended. I was like, "Woo, Molly got to get off that motherfucking high horse!" Like she really has a warped sense of reality, thinking that she can say we aren't in the same place no more, and maybe we just shouldn't be cool no more. Like, how somebody supposed to take that and then turn around? Like, you sound like you done. So why am I still like forcing Holding myself on. on you? So let me be out. If you want to talk again, or if you want to be friends again, you got to tell me that because what you just said sounds like you don't want to be my friend no more. So I, and the and new I, you, you sound like I'm smothering you, like I'm forcing it. So I'm out. Right. <laughs> the new place that Issa's in, I don't feel like if Molly tries to reach out to her, she's going to be really quick to, to answer. So this is going to tie back to what we talked about previously on the other episodes. It's going to take something major to bring them back together. So I want to see how that's going to play out on the last episode. Yeah, I think what's going to happen is I think Amanda Seals, the whole theory that we have with Amanda Seals' character, I forget her name. What's her name? Tiffany. Tiffany Dubois. Tiffany Dubois is going to go full-scale post-partum. postpartum and have a breakdown and they're gonna have to come to her rescue um what i did see though in the previous for the next episode was that it looked like something is telling me that they were in san francisco um molly and uh lawrence but maybe not but they were at some market and molly was like kind of moved not molly jesus Issa and lawrence were together (laughs) And it felt like it was not in L.A. It felt like it was in, like, San Francisco or something um, where, you know, it's looking like he's going to get that job, you know. So going back on your question, you know, Nathan was still, like, trying to try his shoot a shot again at, um, you know, Issa in his barbershop. And so, <laughs> but then we see Issa walk into, like, some room and she's like, hey, like that. Part of me feels like everybody is going to think she's walking into Lawrence, Molly, or Nathan. I feel like she's going to be walking in on Amanda Seals, um, Tiffany Dubois, to see what the, what's going on or whatever. Um, you know, I don't know who's going to give her the call, if it's going to be Kelly or if it's going to be um, Molly. And maybe that's why she kind of had that, hey, look on her face or whatever. 
but we will have to wait and see. This is going to be the last episode of the season. I'm so sad. God's will, Corona will be done and we can get these filming, you know, they, they seem like they're on schedule anyway, like they just started writing like last month. So they got renewed for their fifth season. So I feel like they're on schedule. Yes. Amen. I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, this COVID will die down and they'll probably start filming like next spring or so. Well, no, they would have to start filming in the, I don't know. But either way, they gonna. I think we have time for them to get back to filming so that we can get get it on time. Um, even if we get it by next summer, because you know things are delayed, that's cool too. I'm here for it. I love to watch Insecure in the summer. I love to watch Insecure anytime. So right. <laughs> what do you think, Kel? What do you think? Are you thinking? Oh, I was gonna say. I'm sorry. With Nathan and um, uh, Issa. I I don't know if she's going to make a decision for either one, but I have heard theories that um, Issa and Lawrence are going to break up, um, not because of that fake Condola baby, but because they're going to be like, you know what, you are are moving and shaking over here, I'm moving and shaking over here and over there, and I feel like, you know, we shouldn't hold each other back. We have had closure with each other and I'll see you when I see you kind of thing. I feel like that's what's probably going to happen. I agree. I definitely don't think that their relationship is going to work. I definitely see Lawrence with a white girl. I definitely, well, that's real life. So. Right. <laughs> right. I, I definitely, and I, I don't, I think that it's ending on a good note and I'm, I'm glad that they did reopen their relationship to close it back out this way. So I, I agree with you. And I mean, like I heard on the other podcast, Insecurity, I feel like the next best choice would be Nate. Like, I like their banter that they have together. It's very similar to the banter that she has with Lawrence. But the thing that is different is nothing bad has happened to the extent of cheating that they have. So, well, I mean, some would argue him ghosting her. Right. First but, impressions. But now that she knows the full story of it, it's a little different. It's it's not as like, you did something intentionally to hurt me as the relationship that she had with um, Lawrence or whatever Lawrence. the case may be. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm here for them getting together too. So yeah, we're going to see how this work out. Yes, we are. All right, you want to get into the philanthropy highlight? Yes, Love yes. y'all for still listening if you are. <laughs> right. <laughs> get up, get out, and get something. How will you make it if you never even try? You need to get up, get out, and get something. Because you and I got to do for you and I. All right, y'all. So, yes, let's get into this get up, get out moment. So, this week we are highlighting. DC lawyers and legal groups who are offering free help to protesters, resources for demonstration facing criminal charges, or who believe police violated their um, civil rights. So please check them out. It is National Lawyers Guild, Law for Black Lives DC, Francisco Mundaka. I hope I didn't mispronounce that name. And then for the protesters who believe they suffered excessive force by law enforcement and want to explore legal action, can contact the following organizations. That is the ACLU of the District of Columbia and the Washington Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights and Urban Affairs. 
So yeah, this this month we are just trying to share resources with everyone about how you can if you're in a situation where you can go, who you can talk to to get either legal advice or tips on if you decide to protest, how to be safe, to be smart about things. Just we're just trying to be a resource to to the community. Well, all right. I think it's time for that last call. Yes, and shout out to Nadia for yes. sending us those um, those resources. We love you, girl. Yes, Keep girl. Beautiful it. family. Beautiful family. Yes, Another beautiful black family. lawyer. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. But yes, last call time. I like to propose a toast. I said toast, motherfucker. Last call. Okay, so um, as we said earlier, you know, we talked about worrying and stressing ourselves out about what's happening tomorrow in, you know, the euphemism sense and just in the real sense of 24 hours from now. And um, like Kel requested, we are going to do the the last call around a scripture that talks about that. Um, And so the scripture is about what did Jesus say about worry? So this is Matthew 6, 25, verses 25 through 27. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what will be what you put on is not more than food, excuse me, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow or nor reap. Kel, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to do this again. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. All right, I'm ready. I'm... All right, so what did Jesus say about worry? And this is from Matthew 6, um, verses 25 through 27. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more value than they, which and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. So that part in particular, where it says, Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. So that is like a good example that someone once gave me was um, you get on the elevator, you get in your car, and you expect them all to work properly, right? Um, Why do you not have the same faith in God for other things to work in your favor? And which you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life. That was what I was talking about earlier with worrying, not adding anything to your life. So just remember that scripture. Um, We'll be sure to share it on our IG stories, just as a reminder that try to breathe. There's been a lot of people talking about breathing exercises and stuff like that. Um, Just take a breath and live in, live in the moment, meaning that doesn't have to mean that you out here just 
free and wild willy-nilly but sometimes when it becomes overwhelming you have to take a moment and if your foot is not literally getting nailed onto a cross <laughs> and getting or getting chopped off or you not being any bodily harm or whatever um or getting kicked out of your house at this moment there's always a chance to pray and breathe amen that was a great way to end as always you know follow us on our social media platforms on twitter at ccc vibes um of course we always do our sunday insecure chat so we love to to listen to your opinions thoughts views um, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Cognac Cupcakes and Conversations.com. And make sure you show love and support Black businesses that are out there thriving and doing their thing, which is also us. So make sure you check the link in our bio on our website or um, on our Instagram page and buy our merch. Yes, y'all. We got t-shirts, phone cases, tote bags. You name it, we got it. Hey, yes. And let us know what you what else you might want to see on there as well. Yes. All right. Well, until next time, y'all. Um, we will see you or talk to you next week. And next week's episode, like we said, will be all about insecure for sure. <laughs> as long as the aliens don't come back. I just had to say oh, no, <laughs> they aliens. discovered a parallel universe. Did you hear that, no. Kel? Nope. Yes. They discovered a parallel universe to ours. So, God's will. See y'all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. It's a vibe.